0: We thank you for visiting Christian Bible Temple, and pray the following message speaks to your heart. Let us bow for prayer this morning. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we come before your presence on this beautiful day thanking you for the opportunity that we have to come together as a church to worship you, Father, in spirit and in truth. And to sit at your feet, as it were, to listen to your precious word. Teach us wonderful things out of your word today. Help us to be attentive and to be, Father, concentrated on the things that you tell us this morning. As we sanctify this moment right here. And dedicate it, Lord, to the time in which you speak to us. We praise you and ask for your blessing upon every person that, has, that, that comes through these doors today. We pray for this service and they want to follow as well. We ask for your blessing upon up every family and every individual that is part of our congregation this morning. We praise you and thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. We thank you for your forgiveness through the blood of Jesus that cleanses from all sin. And we pray, dear Lord, today that you be with us. We pray for our families, our homes, and we pray, Father, for our country. We pray for Israel. We pray, Father, for your protection upon your people there, their salvation, and for this war to end soon, and for the hostages to be released unharmed. We pray for the salvation of anyone that might come through these doors today. Without knowing you, we pray that you speak to every heart this morning, dear God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Let us open our Bibles this morning to the book of Genesis, chapter 17. Book of Genesis, chapter 17. And just to clarify this morning and remind you, I should say, this is a time in which we must dedicate it to the Lord to listen to his word. I will ask everybody to please wait until the break to get up and and walk out because it's distracting both to me and to those who are listening. And we need to respect the word of God during this time. Okay, I would appreciate that very much. In the 17th chapter of the book of Genesis, we find the new name and the circumcision. We see the first thing that we see is the revelation of God to Abraham as El Shaddai. Verse 1 says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. This revelation of God occurred 13 years later after the incident with Hagar after the birth of Ishmael. Uh, this time had passed in silence as far as scripture goes. It would have been easy to forget God's promise after 13 years. Uh, Abraham was not getting any younger, as we all know. He didn't start being young to begin with. So this was, time was passing, and things uh, seemed to be, become more difficult in trusting the Lord. Uh, you know, trusting his promise. Abram was prospering, indeed, uh, and the land was at peace. And Ishmael was growing into a young man. Perhaps Abram and Sarai had given up all hope of having a son at, at this point. Uh, he was 99, she was 89. And, uh, but God had not forgotten Sometimes we might think that he forgot, but he hasn't forgotten. <laughs> Interesting today, I was reading the book of First John, the second chapter that he talks about. Uh, this is the last time in these last days. A lot of antichrists are out there in the world. My goodness, these last days? He said that 2,000 years ago. These last days for God is two days. Right? Always keep that in mind. Because God lives in eternity. He does not live in the factor of time. In this dimension, he lives in eternity. He sees everything at once. Okay? And so sometimes, because we live in time, we think, uh, you know, it's taking a long time. But God is time less, okay? So here we have his eternal. So now we see here, God had not forgotten, but God also understands how man is. So this time he reappears once more uh, to refresh Abram's and Sarai's hearts and minds. He had spoken uh, his covenant to Abram on four previous occasions Four times already he had spoken to Abraham about his covenant with him. He did that at the beginning in chapter 12 when he spoke to him for the first time. Then he uh, did it in the same chapter a few verses later. Then he did it in the 13th chapter and then again in the 15th chapter. And here God uses the term covenant in this chapter 13 times. Okay? So as he speaks... He reiterates the word covenant, covenant. When God appears this time, Abram is 99 years old, and he and Sarai are past the age of children. Now God reveals another of His divine attributes, because when we talk about the names of God, God doesn't have really names. So what He has are attributes. They're characteristics of His nature. Okay. And uh, he reveals himself this time as the almighty God, El Shaddai. El Shaddai, which means the following. El okay, means omnipotent, means powerful, means strong. And he's used many times in the Old Testament, like in Psalm 77, Psalm 68. And then Shaddai, the word Shaddai from Shad means Breast, it gives the idea of nourishing. God is he who nourishes and gives strength, the all-sufficient one or the powerful one who can nourish, supply, and satisfy. Or it comes from the word Shaddai. From, uh, Shaddai comes rather from Shadad, which means to display power. The Lord at once gives a double command to Abram from this. First he requires a life of conscience a life conscience of God. You know God wants us to be conscious of him all day long. Because he says to him walk before me. What does it mean walk before me? Walk in front of me. Walk under my eyes. And just like God never forgets us, he never turns his head around the other way, he expects us to never forget him. That's why the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Man will always fail you. You can count on that. But the Lord never fails us. All right? So we see here that God says to him, walk before me. And this is the spirit of his faith. And then secondly, he requires a faithful observation of his responsibilities. He says, walk before me and be blameless. What does it mean to be blameless? Does it mean to be perfect? No, it means that people cannot find actually any justifiable reason to to accuse you of something. Uh, looking for something, uh, and they cannot find it, okay? So we see here, you know, because people are going to say things many times about you and me. That's not a problem. They're going to say whatever. Just make sure that whatever they say that's bad, it's not true. So the Lord says, walk before me and be blameless. This is the practice of his faith. That's why we're told in James 1.22, that we must be doers of the faith, not just hearers. It's nice to you know, talk, but uh, we need to do more than just talk. We need to do. We need to put into practice our faith. He requires the same from us today, just like he required that of Abraham. Walk before me and be what? Blameless. Okay. These are not conditions. These are commands. The Lord doesn't say, well, if you can or please, if I'm not you know, bothering you too much. The Lord doesn't say that. The Lord says, be, walk before me. That's a command. And be blameless. That's a command. In other words, behave yourself. Live a, love, a life of godliness. Not only when you're in church, but also when you're at home. Remember, when you're at home and nobody is watching you, he is watching you. And if you are not where you're supposed to be, he knows it. Secondly, we see the covenant confirmed. Verse 2, And I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply, multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, And God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, or shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also I, give, uh, also, I give to you and to your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God." Oh my goodness, what a promise. God puts in practice the pact that he made with Abraham back in chapter 15, verse 18. Then he announced it. Now the time has come for it to begin to be fulfilled. All right? And almost 25 years have passed since Abraham arrived in the land of Canaan. I will multiply you means that he promised, the promised son will be born. How can you multiply him if he doesn't have a son? And not only that, he's, you know, Abraham, he changes his name. We'll see now what it means. God is speaking about results even before they happen. Because he can see the end from the beginning. We see Abraham's faith. For he bows in reverent adoration before God. What does Abraham do? When God speaks to him, he bows down and he worships him. How different it is. When we worship God, you know what we need to do? We need to lower ourselves. Not like so many places today they call it worship and they're going like a bunch of morons. When When you worship God, you bow. You see, Muslims, when you go to Israel, five times a day, every time the imam goes up to the tower, the minaret, what do they do? They bow with their faces, their heads on the earth. And here we are, Christians, dancing. Now, I'm not saying that there is no time for rejoicing before the Lord. There should be. Because joy is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. But I think that a lot of churches these days can do a lot better with their respect for God. The the, the attitudes of so many Christians today in churches is so flippant, so superficial. And a lot of believers are watching TV programs of all these televangelists and copying what they do. Be careful with that. We're living in dangerous times. Don't copy those things. Follow the examples in the Word of God. I don't see Abram dancing before the Lord, jumping up and down, in, oh, rejoicing. No, he bows. He worships. When you come into this church, it's not the building that is holy, but what it represents. We need to be respectful. And especially when the Word of God is preached, we need to pay attention. Because many times I see people get up in the middle of the service. I say, you know, it's like uh, they're here physically, but they're not here. And we need to learn how to behave in the house of God. The Apostle Paul told that to Timothy. Chapter 3, verse 15, if you would like to check it out. And so we see here that the Lord says, after 25 years, 25 years after Abraham came to the land of Canaan, I will multiply you. It means that he prom- the promised son will be born. God is speaking, like I said before, about results even before they happen. We see Abraham's faith. He bows in reverent adoration before God. And from now on, the text uses the name Elohim in this uh, section of scripture, which means the all-powerful one. Why? Because it takes an all-powerful God to fulfill an impossible promise. And let me tell you, what he promised Abraham and Sarah was impossible. But again, with God, all things are possible. When I say impossible, I mean humanly speaking. Because what woman can conceive at the age of ninety? Abraham, yeah. Abraham was man, a man can conceive, can, you know, have children, because after Sarah died, we're gonna see that later on, he married again the old man. And he had more children with Keturah. As a matter of fact, we're gonna see how many. So we see here that the covenant is cleared up more now. God adds something new. Abram would be the father of many nations. Now, is that a joke or is that a joke? God tells him, I'm going to give you many descendants. And then he says, not only am i going to give you a lot of children, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. But he doesn't even have one yet, one child. Oh, yeah, he had Ishmael, but out of his will. But we see here that this is something without precedent. With the exception of Noah, God had never promised this to anybody else. And now remember that from Noah to Abraham, how many years have gone by? One day. Exactly 1,000 years from the flood till Abram, Okay, And uh, now, Abram becomes the heir of the world, according to the Apostle Paul in chapter 4, verse 13 of the book of Romans. Now, Abram is not only the heir of the promise, but he's the heir of the world. God gives them the whole world. And for this reason, his name is changed from Abram, which means exalted father, to Abraham, which means father of multitudes. Now, come on. Where are they? Where are the multitudes up to this point? That's why Abraham is called the father of, the, or the patriarch of faith. He believed God when all the odds were against okay the promise in chapter 17 here verse 4 is developed a little more with respect to the honor it it encompasses he calls him father of many nations I will multiply you he says not only he's going to make, become father of many nations, he says, I will multiply you. And then he says, kings shall come from you. And besides all this, it is a perpetual pact. It's forever. It's an eternal pact. Okay, That this pact is between God okay, and Abraham. This is a pact between God and Abraham. Open with me one second to the book of Romans in the New Testament. And we'll see what the Apostle Paul, a descendant, a physical descendant of Abraham, tells us, or tell, tells the Romans, and then we, we read it and we learn from that, the following. Chapter 11 of the book of Romans, in verse 28, verses 28 and 29, talking about Israel, the future of Israel. You want to see something, I mean, learn something about the book of Romans? Very simple. From chapters 1 through 8, he's talking to the Gentiles. And then from chapters 9, 10, and 11, he's talking to Israel. Chapter 9, God's dealing with Israel in the past. Chapter 10, God's dealing with Israel in the present. Chapter 11, God's dealing with Israel in the future. So does Israel have a future? You better believe it. It says here in verse 28, concerning the gospel, meaning Israel, they are enemies for your sake. By concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. Why is it that God loves Israel so much? For the fathers. Because of the promise he made to the fathers. And God doesn't go back on his word. Okay, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. God promised something; He's going, he going to fulfill it, no matter what man does. Doesn't matter who, what they call themselves. And you can see in, in history, if you read history, all the nations, and we've said this before, and I'll say it now, and I'll keep on saying it until the Lord allows me, that no nation that rises against Israel or group or people will prosper. Because God already promised Abraham that Israel will always be there till he comes back. And then it will be the chief of nations. Otherwise, how can you explain such a small nation being the center of every situation in the world? It's smaller than the state of New Jersey. If you said to me, Canada or China, or Brazil, or Russia, or the United States. I would say, well, big, big countries, right? God doesn't care about that, that little nation. And the Arabs have land galore. How many Arab countries are there, or Muslim countries? Hmm? And they're they're not conformed with that. They're not satisfied. They want that. And here we have politicians talking about a Palestinian state. They don't get it. They don't get it. You know when a Palestinian state is going to happen? Never. It was offered to them back in 1947, and they rejected it. And I'm talking about the Palestinians. Now they want it. Why? Because they see Israel is not moving from there. And they're not going to move from there, either. Somebody that I knew went to Israel, and one of the ministers of Israel, the government, said <laughs> to, to them, to the group, he said, we are more determined to stay here than they are determined to kick us out. Have they proved that? Absolutely. And it ain't going to change. In good English, it ain't happening. Right? Eh? Why? Because God made the promise to Abraham and God is not going to go back on his word. Because he's a faithful God. And if he tells us that our yes needs to be yes and our no needs to be no, how much more do you think God keeps his word? So we see here that this is a covenant between Ab- God and Abraham. And then between God and Abraham's descendants, God will be the God of Abraham and his descendants physical descendants, and spiritual descendants. And this includes the promised land, which would be an everlasting possession for his descendants. No one can change that. It it is still true today, and it will continue to be true tomorrow. So from this we learn that Abraham is the father of all the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, and he is the father of all the Arabs, physically, through Ishmael. And he's the father of all the believers throughout the centuries that have trusted in Christ as their Savior. He's our father, our spiritual father. And the Apostle Paul says that to us in Romans. So we are children of Abraham by faith in Jesus Christ. Thirdly, we see the circumcision now is established by God. Here in verse 9. And God said to Abraham, As for you, You shall keep my covenant. Again, is that a a request or is it a command? Hello? It's a command. Okay? You shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me, you, and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generations. He who is born in your house or or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant. He who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Here we see God introduces and establishes the circumcision. What is the circumcision? Is it a condition to be saved? No. It's the mark of identity of the people that would descend from Abraham, that is, Israel. The command was given to Abraham and his physical descendants uh, uh, through Isaac. And also, it represents the purification of life in its principle. And you know what? Circumcision points to the messianic hope. Why? Because Christ is the only one who can accomplish the purification of life. Circumcision in the flesh is symbolic of the true circumcision, which is the circumcision of the heart. The Lord tells the people of Judah in Jeremiah 4.4, do not circumcise your flesh only. Circumcise your hearts. In other words, have pure hearts. A lot of people circumcise their flesh, and they, they live uh, like the life of the devil. Just like so many called Christians, they get baptized, and they live like unsaved people. They're not saved, regardless of what other religions say. Some religions believe because you're baptized, and you washed in water, now you're, you're born again. No, you're not. The circumcision of the heart. As a matter of fact, Moses told that to the people of Israel in the desert before they went into the promised land. Okay, In the book of Deuteronomy, he tells them that. Because see, God knows, he knew what would happen in the future. Look what he tells, Moses tells (laughs) the nation of Israel. Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. What does it mean to be stiff-necked? Stubborn. And do you know that the sin of stubbornness is Satan's sin? Because it involves pride. It involves the unwillingness to bend your will to God's will. And the Bible says that it is like the sin of witchcraft. If you're stubborn, You might as well be a witch or a warlock. You might as well practice magic and read the horoscopes and and, and play with the witch board. Might as well do that. If you're stubborn. The Lord Jesus Christ left us the best example. He said to the Father, "Not my will, Father, but thy will be done. But of course, I know that We don't have that problem in here. We're all very docile and very obedient and we listen all the time. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Deuteronomy 30. Verse 6. Man may circumcise the flesh, but only God can circumcise the heart. And what is the sign of a circumcised heart? The sign of it is obedience to the Lord and His word. Not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. When I see a lot of, you know, some people, some believers are so self willed it's my way or the highway. And unfortunately, you have a lot of preachers who have that problem. Being there done that. But there has to come a point of repentance somewhere. As you grow uh, and mature spiritually, you learn more and more to surrender your will to the will of God. And you know what? You live a better life that way. When the Lord circumcises the heart, there is love for God. And love requires what? Obedience. The Lord says, if you love me, keep my what? My commandments. When you love the Lord, people don't have to tell you what to do. You already know through his word and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Circumcision did not make a person an Israelite. One already was an Israelite by birth. This made him see his responsibility and obligation to the covenant. Circumcision precedes Christian baptism. And the relation is the same. That's why I don't believe in what the religions do. Roman Catholicism, Greek Orthodoxy, some Protestant sects, they baptize the babies. What do babies know? We baptize after the person gets saved, not before Baptism follows conversion, not the other way around. Many years ago, when I was pastor in the other church, we were doing a baptism one day, and there was a two, the two congregations together, and they sent me this lady from the other congregation, and I asked her, I said, why you came here today? Oh, to be saved. I said, then get out of here, go back there. Somebody show this lady how to be saved, please. I didn't baptize her. So somebody talked to her, they counseled her, hopefully she got saved, I think. And then she came back and then I drowned her. <laughs> Can't put the cart before the horse, huh? And that's why we can never have fellowship with some of these religions, because they don't believe that salvation is by faith alone, by gra- the grace of God. They believe in works. Works save you. I believe in works too, but not before salvation, after salvation. Because the Bible tells us very clearly that we have been created unto Christ Jesus for good works, not by good works. They follow all these commandments of men instead of listening to the word of God. You're going to see that in that book that you're reading. Hmm? You've got to be careful. God explains circumcision to Abraham. How, what, and with whom must be carried out. They had to circumcise the foreskin the eighth day after birth. Now, why the eighth day? Well, you know what? Who created us? God. God. And doesn't he know better than anybody else how the human body is? They tell me, and of course, I was never circumcised, not physically. But uh, doctors tell us that the reason why they circumcise babies on the eighth day is because that's when it hurts less, because the skin is much more tender. And of course. Being babies, they don't remember, it hurts at the moment, but they don't remember. As they grow up, they forget. By the next day, the baby doesn't remember anymore what happened the day before. But those who got circumcised, and we see some examples in the Bible, those who were circumcised as adults, for days they suffered. Okay? So we see here the babies were supposed to be um, circumcised every male born in Abraham, Abraham's house, and the one bought from a stranger with money. They had to be circumcised as a sign of the covenant between God and them, which would be a perpetual covenant, and it was obligatory, denoting its importance. The emphasis uh, of the covenant was on the promised seed and on the abundance of descendants, which would come from Abraham. Also, another symbolic meaning is that of complete separation. That's what made Israel different. That was a sign that the nations did not have. Separation from sins of the flesh prevalent then and now. This was a reminder to Abraham's seed that they belonged to God, and therefore they were commanded to live holy lives in their relationships with one another, avoiding all kinds of illicit sexual contact outside of marriage. Now we see in verse 15 the promise of Isaac's birth, finally, after so many years. Chapter 17, verse 15, Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Then God said, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. We see here now that the Lord changes the name of Abraham's wife as well from Sarai, which means my princess. She becomes Sarah, which means princess. Now, why did he change the name to just princess? Well, she was going to be the mother of kings. So she had to be royalty. And some peoples in the Middle East do not call their leader a king. They call him a prince. Okay? So here we see the Lord promises the blessing of of, uh, giving Abraham a son by her. And not only that, but that she would become mother of nations just like Abraham would be father of nations, and that kings of peoples would proceed from her. Abraham's reaction is one of worship, for he bowed, and though he laughed, his laughter was not one of doubt, but of awe and joy that they both could have a son at that age of their lives in their old age. And you know, that made it even more glorious. If they had had children naturally like everybody else, what, what would have been the difference? This is what made it so glorious. And Abraham is not laughing out of disbelief. He's laughing out of wonderment and saying, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, you shall give a child to a man who is 100 years old. Huh? Abraham asks before he brings Ishmael before the Lord, because Ishmael, after all, was his Son, too, right? And what he's saying, oh, bless Ishmael instead of Isaac. He's not saying that. He says, in, in so many words, he says, oh, Lord, give a blessing to Ishmael also. And so we see here that the Lord gives him the certainty of the son through Sarah. And he even reveals his name, Isaac. What did uh, Abraham do? He smiled. He laughed. And in the next next chapter, we're going to see that Sarai laughed, or Sarah laughed. She laughed out of unbelief. And the Lord says, "Uh uh-huh, you laughed. No, but I didn't. Oh, but you did. And just because of that, your son is going to be called Yitzhak, which in Hebrew means laughter. So you know Isaac? You are a joke. So we see here that uh, he tells him, the Lord reiterates the fact that, yes, I will bless Ishmael, like we're going to see in a few minutes. But remember, Isaac is the son of promise, not Ishmael. That's what he's telling him. Isaac is the son of promise. And for the Lord announces he would confirm his covenant with him as a perpetual one for him and for his descendants after him. So now we see the blessing upon Ishmael. Verse 20, And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. Then he finished talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. Now, in spite of Abraham's and Sarah's failure, in using human methods by which he obtained a son by Hagar, the Lord blesses this son as well, giving him a quadruple blessing. God promises, first of all, that he would make him fruitful. Secondly, he would make him multiply greatly. And thirdly, twelve princes would come from him. And fourthly, his descendants would be a great nation. Now, looking at the Arab peoples, has God fulfilled that? Yeah? But though the Lord would bless Ishmael and make him great, he reiterates once again that his covenant is with Isaac, not with Ishmael. God cannot use a son born through human methods to perpetuate his grace and his promises. He has to use the son that he promised that was born supernaturally and by God's plan, not man's plan. Amen? Always remember that. And last of all, he gives him the name, the time, I should say, of Isaac's birth. Finally, now he tells him when he was going to be born. Next year, this time. And after he finished speaking, the Lord, it says, went up from Abraham, meaning he went back to heaven. Now, the last part, we see the obedience of Abraham. As soon as God went up, left, now Abraham carries out his commandment. Verse 23. So Abraham took Ishmael his his son, all who were born in his house and all who were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin that same day as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin and Ishmael his son was 13 years old when he was uh, circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very same day, Abraham was circumcised, and his son Ishmael, and all the men of his house, born in the house or bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. Now we see here Abraham's obedience and the perfection of his faith. Perfection means completeness, okay? And the promptness of his obedience, one thing we must say about Abraham. When he obeyed, he obeyed immediately. He didn't put it off. No mañana with Abraham. Okay? All this was done on the same day God had spoken to him. We also see the importance of obeying the Lord. At the age of 99 years old, his faith was never weakened. Even after waiting 24 years since the promise was given. Ishmael was a 13-year-old boy. And I am told that the Arabs circumcised their kids at the age of 13. Both father and son, it says here, were circumcised the same day. Lastly, we see the grace of the commandment. It is for all. For all have, have the opportunity to receive the blessing. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And all the males in his household obeyed the will of God. What a wonderful thing it would be if people obeyed God today the same way. Huh? What a different world this would be. And forget the world. If Christians obeyed the Lord the way Abraham obeyed the Lord. How much more blessed we will be. So always remember that. It is much better to obey the Lord than to do your own thing. Because your own thing can fail. But God's will never does. And you will be blessed. Amen? Father, we thank you so much for the example of Abraham. We thank you so much, dear Lord, that you have given us the scriptures where we can see these examples that were written for our admonition so that we may obey, follow their examples, and do those things that are right and pleasing in your eyes. We praise you and thank you for your infinite love for us and for the privilege of knowing these things which the world ignores. Father, help our church to be a a church of obedient people who love you and walk with you, and live their lives according to your word. And we ask, Father, if anyone here this morning is still doing his own or her own thing, we pray that they would come to a point of repentance and release that, and submit to you. Resist the devil, and heal will We thank you for listening to this message, and pray that the word of God spoke to your heart. To listen to previous sermons, please visit us at www.cbttbc.com or anchor.fm forward slash cbt hyphen sermons.